Uh, so I press record. Oh, great. I'm going to give you a heads up just because <laughs> nice. I'm nice like that. That's um, so nice of you. Uh, I don't even know where. Okay, so um, here with Jack and what is your preferred title for the podcast? Because we generally use pseudonyms for people who are like, mm-hmm. I don't want my name to be out there. <laughs> Except for Jack, who's always been Jack. <laughs> you have my fucking show. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll go by Andre for, okay. for these purposes. So we are here with, with Andre uh, of the Seduction Feroce and amazing, amazing uh, queer porn and fascinating stories of wonder. Um, <laughs> stories of wonder. <laughs> so I, I, anyone Tale who has stories that interest. I don't, I <laughs> have not experienced... They are stories of wonder. <laughs> Jack, that includes you. You have a plethora of stories. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why you've been on the podcast so many times. <laughs> uh, Fox is not on the podcast today. He's working. Actually, listen, all 200,000 of you from China. <laughs> <laughs> China! Don't worry, we're not giving away national secrets, NSA. <laughs> so, um, all right, so we're here. Um, I, mean, I don't even know where to start. Um, okay, so you, Andre, are not self-proclaimed nerd like Jack or myself. <laughs> uh, no, I just um, have been, I'm, I'm drawn to nerds. I, I date exclusively nerds. Um, okay. I don't go looking for them. They just are magnetized towards me for some godforsaken reason and <laughs> of all of all genres too right because there you can be nerdy about just about everything so i've like yeah. dated people who are like comic book nerdy who are you know television show nerdy who are book nerdy who are you know science nerdy yeah um but i do not identify as a nerd myself all right okay all right so you're not here for the geeky part of the podcast I mean, I can um, be here for the geeky part. I just don't know how much I can contribute to well, the Well, oh, okay, part. so... Uh, in, <laughs> the, in the Everyone needs to love a geek, okay? <laughs> it's like, we need well, people to love us. I, I would, I would say that the... Everyone has their own nerdy thing. Their own, like, geeky, nerdy, like... Even jocks are kind of nerdy. Like, anyone who gets involved in, like, the statistics of how a player plays, you're a sports nerd. Yeah, I agree So, everyone has their own thing. So you could be, you could be. You could say she's a sex nerd. I, I could, don't... I could say I'm a sex nerd. There I guess, I, yeah. I guess I just don't identify much with like the, the nerd geek community. Um, the nerds, whatever you can obsess over. And but I guess I, about. I do wear glasses and I do <laughs> obsess over and know a great deal about sex. So maybe you guys are bringing out my, my there's that. nerd. There, there's that. I Jack mean, wishes. You could. Time. <laughs> I know. So hard. <laughs> Jack wishes there were more nerds. Mm-hmm. That happens. Um, all right, so you, uh, I, I really wanted to have you on because before even that, I like, I guess I'll pretense this with, um, you were recently written about on Cosmo's website. Yes, yeah, I was. <laughs> and I actually wanted to have you on here before any of that had happened. <laughs> so I just want to preface this with before. Four. You knew me before I was famous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're, we're just going to be like, no, I wanted to talk to this person before. God damn you, Cosmo. Mm. Um, Something tells me that your approach to this podcast will be um, significantly different than Cosmopolitan's uh, approach to it. Probably. <laughs> Maybe probably. a slightly different demographic listening to uh, your um, yes, podcast. Yes, yes, 
Um, th- these are not housewives sitting at home wishing that there were things um, better that they could be doing with their lives out there. You know, I take offense to that. I was totally reading Cosmo when I was like 13, and it was just... Well, I was going to say, no, I, I, 13-year-old gay boys that are like, hey, yeah, Cosmo. Yeah. No, no, there were... That I got my idea of femininity from Cosmo, I from know. growing up in Cosmo, and it was like, so, oh, okay, so that's what, yeah. that's what femme is. Um, <coughs> so, what, what would you call your profession? Oh, I'm a sex worker. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're not gonna bring. That's, an, that's an easy. That's <laughs> okay. an easy question. Yeah. Next really one. It's <laughs> gonna be like you could get super granular and clinical with it, but all right. No, I mean, I, I do a lot. Of, I do a lot of things, um, but uh, I mean, I think we're going to be talking a lot about sex work during this podcast. So, um, I, the bulk of my work is sex work. So sex work. Okay, yeah. I'm, I, I'm more. I, I would. I will totally preface with. Uh, I'm interested in the sex work conversational topic. I'm really interested in more of your mixing that with your own entrepreneurial spirit that I have witnessed as. Well, more so from afar, but been able to see and, and experience on certain levels mm. uh, with shows that you've put on, as well as um, your own maybe drive towards the shows via sex work and, and your your uh, take on sex work. Mm. Um, so what, uh, I guess the first one would be what brought you into sex work? Okay. So I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try and not be like super questiony, questiony, but there are a few uh, questions. I mean, like just broad spectrum. What what was the draw for you? Um. Well, uh, I've been doing sex work in uh, one way or another since I was about 18. So it's been um, Jesus Christ, it's been eight years now. Uh, um, and uh, and I um. I don't know, I've always been very, uh, I've always approached sex really um, nonchalantly, like the the concept of sex. Um, I never was phased by it growing up. Um, if I had questions, I would like, you know, word, my generation is pretty much the first internet age, so um, by the time I was 13 or 14, I had a computer in the house. Um, my school had no sexual health education program to speak of, and I grew up in a really small town with parents who didn't want to talk about that kind of stuff, so um, I just went out and found the answers on my own, and uh, never really had any, like, uh, real, I don't want to say any, but never really had um, a lot of body shame, never really had a lot of shame around sexuality, um, around, like, expressing my sexuality and experimentation and, like, talking to my peers about sex, like, that was never... I never, I basically never understood why it was such like a, um, a controversial topic. Or you know? Such a taboo. Yeah, I just never, I never really, I, well, I, it's like now I know, but back then I was just like, I just approached it like anything else. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and then I got into college and I needed, you know, a part-time job to supplement my non-existent income. And, um... I have also always been um, very performance based, <laughs> and I grew up dancing um, in in dance studios, like traditionally, and uh, doing like community theater and my high school musicals and all that stuff. So I was really comfortable being on stage in front of people, um, and so I saw an ad for a uh, cabaret style strip club. Um, called the Crazy Russian in Baltimore City, which is where I went to college, right. and uh, I answered it, and the Crazy Russian ended up being owned by a legitimately crazy Russian woman, 
Um, <laughs> okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Named Valeria, and her and her husband Vladimir ran this little, like, eclectic, time warpy type strip club, and I started dancing there. And I danced there for four years, and um, kind of what happens in the sex work industry, if it's an industry that you decide you want to spend some time in, yeah. um, is that the more you do, the more kinds of opportunities get presented to you, the more kinds of people you come in contact with, and the, the you know, increasingly different like genres of the industry you know, come in contact with you yeah. over, over time, so... You know, you'll be dancing for a while, and then someone will be like, "Oh, I would you be interested in doing this like nude fetish modeling thing?" And be like, "Oh yeah, like that sounds nice." And then, like you try it out, and be like, "Okay, cool, I'm comfortable with this." And then a few months goes by, and someone's like, "Oh, would you ever consider like doing this like you know live webcamming thing from your house?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, actually, that sounds kind of cool. Like, let me try that out. Okay, cool, yeah, I'm really comfortable with this." And then it just kind of like it's like the snowball, the sex worker yeah. snowball effect. Basically. Okay. Um. So. Yeah, snow. I once did during, I once did during an interview. Uh, I forgot what it was for, but I once did during an interview. I'm like, yeah. So I was just kind of like snowballing my way through, and I'm like, oh god, no, that's a t- completely different, <laughs> completely different connotation. Yeah, uh, um, a very different kind of. I've never actually snowballed. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I just kind of kept doing that, and I, um, my, my snowball effect looked a lot like, uh, going from stripping and, uh, and modeling to getting into burlesque, um, which I know you want to talk about a little bit later, um, but I, I got into burlesque shortly after I started dancing, so when I was, the, like, end of 18, beginning of 19, and, um, and then live webcam modeling, and then this thing called session wrestling, which is the best job in the whole world, it means that I have to wrestle naked girls for money, and it's really awesome and uh i honestly think that might actually be the first place i saw you was and i don't know maybe i might be wrong but the ultimate surrender ultimate surrender yes <laughs> <laughs> that was my first porn that i ever shot okay yeah, all was, right. was for ultimate surrender um yeah <laughs> and so it snowballed into me doing pro domination work and then that snowballed into me doing uh porn and so that's where i've capped for now i haven't um i guess the only like uh, upper echelon past porn is like escorting work and I am pretty confident at this point in my life I think escorts are awesome people but yeah. um, I'm pretty sure that's where I I personally draw the line yeah. so that's where I've been operating for the past three years I picked up doing porn about three years ago and then I've just been doing a little bit of everything since then so. alright okay so yeah. um, honestly I think that kind of covers all of the uh, sex work that I mean for the most part of your story, um, mm-hmm. would you have advice for people who are interested in getting involved in sex work? Like, would you say it's a pro thing, a con thing? Like, yeah. uh, do it only if you really want to do it, you know? You know what's really interesting, and, like, I don't give a flying fuck, um, and you'll see why I'm saying this in a second, but um, it's actually, uh, so, in the state of California, as well as in most other states in the United States, um, you can actually... Uh, be severely fined and arrested for, um, if they can prove that you, uh, advised somebody, um, on, like, getting into sex work. And, um, when I say sex work in that context, I mean, like, escorting and prostitution, because that's still the only, um, illegal, uh, sex work that's out there right now. But, um... Okay, yeah. so let's let's. Oh no 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 no! I but, but I'm just saying I'm like just illustrating how like silly this is. So like let's say somebody comes to me and is like, yeah. I'm really thinking about doing this. Like I would love your advice and like, you know, potentially in in a much larger context, I could be like, 
if this person is, like, arrested down the line and they, like, turn around, they're like, well, she told me how to do it. Yeah. I could basically be, like, arrested as a pimp for, like, <laughs> advising somebody. It's, All and, right. And the, no, that, I, I can actually that's, I like, how, understand. that's how stringent the legislation still is in our country it's, about... It's the same with yeah. firearms. You know, you sell a gun to somebody, the gun shop that sells the gun... If that person decides to go out and kill him, is still responsible. Yeah, He's still there's still liability there. But so that's so. why we don't talk about you know we're on, we're not <coughs> talking about at like prostitution specifically. We're just talking about the general yeah. genre of sex work. Um, I would say um, you know a lot of people get into sex work uh, because it seems you know like fun and like sexy and um, they hear uh, the way that our culture. Um, presents sex work to its people is uh, either, you know, it demonizes sex workers and it presents them as these, like, drug-addicted, uh, yeah. you know, they have no other options for income, so this is, like, their last resort type yeah. people, or it super glamorizes sex workers, and now we're seeing HBO specials, like, about, like, you know, call girls that are, like, driving around in Lamborghinis and, like, yeah. rolling around in their, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars on their beds. And, like, that's what, you know, a whole other group of people think sex workers look like, right? Yeah. But the reality of the situation is that sex workers are the small business owners and entrepreneurs of of our culture. And yeah. they're, they're middle class. They're working class. Yeah. They look like just about anybody else that you, you know, see on the street. And the point of me saying that is... Um, when you go into sex work, you should you should definitely do it because you have a curiosity about it, not because your partner thinks it would be hot or because yeah. you're really hard up for cash right now and you've heard you can make a lot of money. Um, it should be a, a an authentic interest in in the work. Um, you don't have to like invest. You don't have to think that you're gonna be doing this for a while, but like make sure it's you're making your own decisions, um, not under duress. Uh, make sure you're legally aged because there are all kinds of things that come with that. Yep. And, um, and you know, when I was getting ready to go into porn, for example, I did a lot of research. Um, I watched a lot of porn, really hard job. Um, <laughs> I watched a lot of porn. I watched a lot of porn because I wanted to see what was out there. I wanted to see specifically maybe what directors, what companies I would like to work with, okay. what kinds of porn. Um, I, I made a no list before I ever got into porn. I was like, this is what I am willing to do and this is what I am not willing to do. You can change your no list just like consent in real yep. life. You know, you can change your mind, but like having a really good idea of like what your limits are, um, especially, you know, if you're going into the porn industry is a really, or like webcamming or anything that like yeah. puts you in contact with a client or a, a customer or a director that's going to like expect something of you specifically, um, is a good idea. And then um, I talked to people who were in porn. Um, I talked to folks that I knew were, were doing porn, asked them for their recommendations, their experiences. Before I started stripping, I went to strip clubs and I talked to dancers. I talked to dancers at the Crazy Russian. Yeah. I was like, how do you like working here? How's the management? Like, you know, what nights are the better nights to work here and what nights are the slower nights? Um, so really, like, do your research. Do your research just as thoroughly as though, treat it like any other job. Like, treat it like you are submitting a resume to, you know, get a management position in, like, a sales company. Yeah. You know, like, really, if you invest that much time and consideration into, you know, um, pursuing that, even yeah. if you just end up being in it for, like, a day, a week, a month, it's going to severely lessen the chances that, like, something happens. Yeah. You know? All right. So. 
when for you, I mean, you had mentioned that when you started dancing was when you had started getting interested in burlesque. Mm -hmm. What was the push for you towards producing a show for burlesque, Mm. not just performing? Yeah. So I got lucky because Baltimore City, um, we can't, (laughs) there's not much you can boast about Baltimore City. (laughs) Uh, We basically have like Natty Bow and uh, The Wire. But um, there's also a really fantastic burlesque community in the Baltimore, D.C., Virginia area. Okay. Um, And specifically, there are two kinds of burlesque. There's um, classic burlesque, which is what most people think of when they think of burlesque. It's like women in long, like, Swarovski crystal and crested ball gowns with, like, feather boas, like, dancing to, like, 1930s music. And then there's neo-burlesque, which is, um, you know... Neo means very literally new, and it's like uh, the concept of basically taking something and flipping it on its head, like yeah. looking at it through like a perverse lens, if you will. Yeah. So um, then you get like all the freaks come out with neo burlesque. Then you see if you've ever seen somebody dressed as like the Pillsbury Doughboy, like doing a striptease. That's yeah. a neo burlesque number, you know. Yeah. So um, so that was really awesome to discover the crazy Russian. Um, while it never quite got to. Um, the owner had a lot of very, uh, big fanciful ideas about what she wanted the place to be like, and it never quite got there. Um, but a lot of women cycled through that club, um, who were interested in doing formal burlesque performance, who had, like, heard about it, um, who knew that this was kind of, like, as close as they would get, you know? Um, so I met a lot of like like minds in that club, and yeah. we started kind of shopping around and and going to burlesque shows. Um, and I uh, started following a performer by the name of Paco Fish, who's um, one of the best uh, male burlesque performers I've ever seen in my life. And um, he uh, kind of was a, a holding open auditions to start a burlesque troupe. Yeah. And, um, so some friends and I uh, auditioned and we got in and um, for the next three years we were part of a group called Sticky Buns Burlesque and we used to produce um, most burlesque shows or burlesque troops they'll have like a monthly show every you know every month and yeah. it'll showcase people in the troupe and then they'll bring in like guest performers and like it's a nice little like variety show everyone has their own act. But we kind of, like, <laughs> went above and beyond and then burned out <laughs> because of it. We decided to produce our own, um, like, f- basically like feature film-length <laughs> burlesque shows. Like, we, we produced burlesque plays okay. where we, like, wrote a script. Um, we rehearsed it as a play. We came up with our own, like, unique musical numbers that we would perform as a group. And then we all also had, like, solo things. Yeah. But it was, like, a plot. And so... Um, it was really labor intensive and burlesque doesn't pay that much money, yeah. um, which is why at this point in my life I'm doing more sex work than burlesque. But um, it uh, afforded, um, the nice thing was is that we were doing all these shows and we would do these huge shows and then we would also do like regular little monthly shows and we would rotate responsibilities in the group. So we would all get, um, we'd all get experience. One person one month would be in charge of like marketing, promotion, and PR. And then another person would be in charge of like recruiting talent and managing talent and booking talent and then another person would be in charge of like promotional materials like graphic design when our posters were going to look like getting our flyers out like another person would be like the choreographer for our group numbers so we would cycle those and we after three years you become really really good at it and then baltimore is a small town so i as soon as sticky buns kind of 
Um, <coughs> everyone went their separate ways. Most of us started producing our own stuff yeah. um, in the same area. So I, at that point, now we're talking like 2012, maybe? We're in 2015 right now, right? Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, 2012, I started producing a show called um, Best of Burlesque Queer. Okay. Because I really wanted to showcase at that point in time. I'd been out for a few years and um, I really wanted to make. Uh, performers of color and um, and gender-variant performers and queer performers, I wanted to give them, like, a, um, a platform to for their their specific art to be seen and okay. appreciated. And so um, Best of Burlesque Queer showcased uh, exclusively queer performers. Okay. Um, and we had a good year run, and then I moved to California and handed the show off to somebody else. But, like, at this point in my life, I basically can't be in a place where I'm not producing some kind of show because it's just like very personally fulfilling for me. So. Okay. So it's more of the the passion than the bill maker. Yeah, I mean I um it's like I moved to California. It's a double edged sword, right? It's like you move to California, many people migrate out here, many queers migrate out here or soon to be queers. Yeah. <laughs> because um because uh, there's such a huge vibrant visible political cultural queer community, diverse yeah. queer community out here. And, um, I mean, the reason I moved out here was because of the queer community. My partner at the time uh, yeah. is trans and wanted a more visible uh, um, queer, like, uh, person of color, trans people of color community. Out. Yeah. Um, then we were getting in Baltimore, and um, I wanted a more visible sex worker community. Um but you come out here and then it's like if you're an activist or you're somebody who's inclined to do that kind of work, that kind of like progressive boundary pushing work, yeah. it's like there really are no new ideas, right? In our area out here in California, it's yeah. already pretty like oversaturated with um, just about every kind of person you can imagine. Yep. And so uh, I feel like I'm really grateful to be able to find um, avenues through which to still do that kind of work and sometimes I am still surprised at the kind of people that come to to the shows these days yeah. um you know people who say I've never seen this kind of thing before and I'm like you live in fucking San Francisco have you been living under a rock yeah. like you literally <laughs> have to go out of your way to not see this kind of performance art um but I do at the same time understand that it's not as quite as progressive as doing it in a place like Baltimore City yeah. where you know I mean, even when I was living in Baltimore City, for example, I never knew a single trans woman. I don't even look at trans women as a viable, um, you know, dating demographic until I moved out here. And I was like, wait a minute, there's a whole queer identity that, like, <laughs> I didn't know existed. And I was, like, a queer studies major. Like, how is this possible? Um, and it's totally possible. And, yeah, yeah so... All right, I ramble so no, much. No, no, so, no, 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 no. Like, you, you can take that. You can take I... that towel and you can just throw it at me, and like no one will no, know. No, no, no. I, like, stop. I, I love this. So, so we had, we've had one, one podcast that never got posted, never got had anything. Uh huh. And it was purely the reason it never happened was purely technical. The audio on it, we were trying something different, and it didn't work. But the podcast was a really kind of rambly podcast. All about chastity. Oh. As someone who is a chastity enthusiast, um, we brought on someone else who was a chastity enthusiast, and we got super granular about it. Like, and I thought it was going to be a really good podcast, and then we tried to listen to it, 
and the audio quality was bad. So I actually really like it when people ramble and talk and they get into a flow of talking, especially when they are passionate about what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So being passionate for you, being passionate about the burlesque is something that is, I mean, I'm just sitting here and I'm taking it in and I love it because it's good. (laughs) You are passionate about what you do. And Mm -hmm. I feel that that's like my day job. I can't like, I like what I do. I can't stand the people I work with, which is makes me not passionate about my day Mm -hmm. job. I really enjoy doing the podcast. So I'm passionate about trying to get people on to come in and schedule and, queers are really hard people to get on to a podcast. Yeah, they're flaky as fuck. Oh, well, it's not... <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say flaky. I would. No, I, I would. No, totally. And majority, it's like West Coast, too. It really is. Yeah. It really, really well, is. Well, there, there is a flakiness about it, but it's also... Uh, like, I found maybe it's just the people I've tried to get on are always super fucking busy. Are they? <laughs> like... Are the people that you try and get on always really fucking busy? It's just, it's like, hey, want to come do the podcast? I got a free weekend. Oh, I'm doing this thing and this thing and, and this then I'm going and fucking and this, this person and then I'm going out and doing this thing on Saturday. I might have time for you on Sunday in between this thing, this thing, this thing. I mean, the great thing about podcasts is that, like, you can literally be fucking somebody and still doing the podcast. Yes. Like, I could be fucking Jack right now and still doing the podcast. No one knows. no one knows. No one knows. You guys don't know. No one knows. Don't tell anyone, but Jack is really quiet in (laughs) I don't think that's true. (laughs) But. (laughs) So. That's um, sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that would happen. It broke. <laughs> um, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as we, we sit here drinking Prosecco mimosas. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> all the time. Um, so. Uh, I don't even know where to go because, like, that was, like, I'm so kind of basking in the glow of passion. Well, um, I actually have, I kind of have a, a direction that I feel like you might like. All right, all right, throw it yeah. at me. Yeah, okay, so, so for people who are who are listening who don't have, like, nearly any context yet, also I just noticed you have a little stuffed hedgehog yes, yes. toy, which is, I have a stuffed hedgehog toy for my dog, too. It's so cute. Okay, I'm it, done. It makes noises. <laughs> and and the, the teacup chihuahua will grab it, shake it around, and throw it. Like, like it's not. It's bigger than. It is bigger. It is big. It's bigger than the dog. It's really cute. (laughs) Um. So right now, what I uh, so I moved to California in uh, like spring of 2013, and um, about a year later, so like spring of last year, I started uh, co-producing a show called Seduction Froche. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty damn awesome. I, I'm, um, I'm a fan. I'm which a fan. happens in Oakland uh, on the third Friday of every month at Bench and Bar. You guys should come out if you're Oakland people. Or, you know. Or if you're East Bay. When the Chinese or, tourists or visit in Oakland. Yeah. There's an influx of Chinese people here. <laughs> but um, it was uh, originally started about four years ago by a woman named uh, Sheba Queen of the Night, who's a producer and filmmaker in the Bay Area, and she needed some help. Um, and uh, so uh, I came in, I kind of implemented a bunch of really major changes, and um, got the porn community and the sex worker community um, really involved in the shows um, and kind of the the uh, epitome like the, the the prime example of this is that um, we did a special show in December on um, the third Friday in December um, that 
uh, was in honor of um, December 17th, which is the International Day to End Violence Against Sex Workers. And we normally um, try and showcase sex workers uh, both behind the scenes in terms of like um, staffing people who are involved in the sex work industry, bringing in people who are directors and producers to like vend their yeah. DVDs and their other like adult related products at the shows, um, as well as have sex workers on stage who also happen to be like burlesque or variety performers. Yeah. Um, but for this particular show, we uh, the entire lineup, um, everybody was a sex worker. And we had uh, Carol Queen. Which was um, amazing. Yeah. Which, Carol, you've said you want to come on the podcast. Carol, We'd love to have you on the podcast. Andre Shakti says that you need to get on this podcast right now because the mimosas are amazing. <laughs> um, but, um, so we had, we were, we were fully staffed and our entire lineup um, consisted of sex workers and we... Um, also had a uh, we partnered with a like queer rock opera um, in uh, oh my gosh what is it called I'm so terrible wild right card. now what's that wildcard thank you um, wildcard uh, queer rock opera and all of those guys are also sex workers so um, I've been trying to really bridge the gap between the sex work community and the performance community and you would think there just like wouldn't be a gap there in general I'd be like oh well like you know, sex workers, like, like strippers should get along with burlesque performers, right? Because they're essentially doing the same thing. No. And... <laughs> but the, maybe that's just because ex- yeah. I've been exposed to it. The problem there is that, um, is, is it basically lies in, in individual, de- like, the individual defining of the term sex work, yeah. right? So, somebody, there are lots of people out there who self-identify as sex workers, um, it's an identification, just like saying I'm queer, I'm person of color, yeah. I'm whatever. It's a self-identification. Just because you know somebody does prostitution, to refer to them as a sex worker may not be accurate because they may never have self-identified that way. Yeah. Like, that really may just be a job to them. Yeah. Normally, if you're a sex worker, you also are involved in the political side of of being a sex worker, of, you know, trying to pass pro-sex work legislation, you're probably also involved in, like, the social and cultural aspects of being a sex worker. You hang out with other sex workers. Yeah. You go to, you know, rallies, you go to brunches, you go, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you speak about being a sex worker. You speak on panels. You teach classes, what have you. Yeah. Um, so burlesque performers and, and strippers specifically, but we can say sex workers as an umbrella term, um, have kind of been at war with each other the past however many years because um, basically because people who are not in either of those communities take it upon themselves to um, to identify performers for them. So people who are doing burlesque, may, they may very well believe <coughs> that burlesque is a form of sex work, right? Okay. I believe that burlesque is a form of, se- of sex work. I believe that sex work is the exchange of money or goods for services that sell sex or the fantasy of sex. Okay. The idea of sex, which burlesque performers very much do. Yeah. They do it in a very cerebral, artistic way. Yeah. But they're selling... The whole reason that burlesque is a boom is because it's sexy. Yeah. And for anybody who performs it, in my opinion, to try and, like, you know, shove the fact that burlesque is sex-driven... Um, and desire driven under the rug is just kind of like insulting to people who identify as sex workers, you know? So yeah, then there are people who are, you know, blessed from who, 
who absolutely, if someone told them they were a sex worker, they would, they would freak out. Um, and I feel like, you know, this kind of like division in a subculture can be seen in so many different ways. It can be seen in the queer community in terms of, you know, cis identified people and trans people, right? It's like, why can't we all just get along? Well, we can't all just get along because somebody always needs to be on the bottom of the totem pole, right? In order for others to succeed, somebody always has to be on the bottom. So, um, you know, in terms of, somebody always has to be on the bottom, Jack. Jack's head bounces up and down excitedly. (laughs) Do you like that? Do you like that? Yeah. 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 yeah, I completely it's agree. Right. Um, I, I've been referred to as being on the bottom of the totem pole as well. <laughs> <laughs> or on the end of it, or like halfway up it, or... Um, Wherever you need me to be, really. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, um, I just, you know, I feel like uh, burlesque performers particularly, and obviously this is an umbrella statement, it's a generalization, lots of burlesque performers, you know, either self-identify as sex workers, or they're like, you know, I don't see what I'm doing as sex work, but I can see how other people do, and that's really awesome. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see the value in, like, further dividing, you know, creating uh, chasms between people in an already, um, you know, oppressed community, essentially, and in a community yeah. that's already discriminated against, it's already limited in terms of its, um, its reach and its rights. I don't see the point in doing that. So, yeah. um, there's a lot less of that in the Bay Area. There's a lot more overlap with everything. You yeah. know, it's you're hard pressed to find a a performer on a burlesque stage who's not also kinky, who's not also queer, who's yeah. not also you know what I mean. So um, again, it's a little less revolutionary out here. Um, All right. To put people on stage who identify as sex workers and have them doing burlesque or have them doing drag or have them doing circus. Yeah. Um, because God forbid people can be multifaceted individuals with multiple talents. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, but that's kind of the point is, uh, like of that show in December was to put all these people on stage, you know, to recognize that sex workers are multifaceted individuals who come from like a myriad of backgrounds and have a substantial amount of talent. Yeah. Um, because that, that very concept directly goes against... W- a stereotype that people have of sex workers, which is that they are doing this work because they aren't good for anything else, right? And, like, yeah. you put a sex worker on a stage and they, like, belt out this, like, glorious, you know, yeah. medley and, like, you know, do flips across the stage and then talk about, like, how they're getting their master's degree in, you know, in human sexuality at so-and-so yeah. university. And people are like, wait a minute. <laughs> they're mean, not supposed to be doing all of that. You mean didn't touch you in a foul way? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, God. You're not hooked on drugs? No. Yeah. No. Like, or maybe you are, but it actually has nothing to do with the work that you <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Like, there are coke addicts who are bankers and lawyers and attorneys, and yeah. nobody turns around and says that, like, your job drove you to do cocaine, though in actuality, it probably did. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. Good. You didn't throw the towel at me, so I just... No, no, no. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I... Seduction is, like, it, probably... Uh, I had been to debauchery... And I was like, okay, debauchery, it's, it's, okay, it's the white horse. Like, I had lived around the white horse. I'd gone to it before. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, wait pre, a minute. <laughs> pre, uh, pre-transition, pre-all this. Um, 
and I had gone to seduct uh, to debauchery a few times. I was like, okay. And a friend, actually a mutual friend of Jack and mine, had really pushed me. She was like, you got to come to seduction. You got to come to seduction. You got to come to seduction. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the stage kittens, you know, I'm friends with one of the stage kittens at seduction. So Lola? it's like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I can't think of anyone who doesn't love Lola. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I was like, all right, fine. And I caved and I went to the, I think the first seduction I went to was the seduction before Folsom this last year. Okay. When it was still at the other bench and bar location. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And cause Jack was like, you got to when I led Wonder come. Dave out on stage in like a ball gag? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that one. Got it. That was a good show. Yes, and and I and part of my drive to go was I was like, uh, Jack was actually hounding me. He's like, you have to come out. You have to come out. You have to come out. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. He's like, I'm performing, and I was like, I'm there. (laughs) I'm there. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. No, why don't you perform more? And I'm like, well. I have to work the door, but also I don't really have a choice. It's more like, we're really low on people for seduction this month. You're performing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, not only that, but I was like, hey, Jack, so you're going to perform. And he's like, okay. I'm like, and you're going to do this number. Because I saw him do, okay, this is like, we're going to get really cute and disgusting for a second. Because the first time I, okay, the second time I ever met him um, was at the White Horse. And he did that number. And I was there with my partner at the time. And our other date. So, like, I was there with two dates already. And saw Jack do that number, and I was like, hey. And then we made out. And so I was like, you're going to do that number so that I can relive that experience. Oh, that, sounds like, that, sounds, that sounds so bizarrely familiar about someone else's current current polyamorous <laughs> um, The blonde has been very quiet. Sitting in the corner. What blonde? I don't see a blonde. Do you see a blonde? I don't see a blonde. I see a blonde. She's, she's, she's blonde again. She doesn't have rainbow hair anymore. Um, yeah, no, that, that, was, that was why I went out. And I was like, alright. And then I don't think I went again for a couple, a couple of them just because of work and busy and I take personal it's, offense. Yeah. God forbid you have a life that dictates what you do. Destiny is not out of that point. Destiny was not out at that point. Um, no, it was mostly just getting to downtown Oakland from Fremont at 6.30 at night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, getting there. And it's like, I'm, I'm a queer, but I should probably hand over my queer card for being on time all the time. Mm. I feel fault. you. Like yeah. I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do the late queer. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what it is. After fifteen um, early for everything. Yeah, and <clears throat> I don't know. But uh, yeah, so it, it. And then we went to the uh, the uh, November seventeenth show, mm-hmm. and then we went to the day for the sex worker show. That was December. Oh, December. December. Sorry, December. I can't brain not work and then we were there in january um so I only missed last month was insane yeah that was that a, was that was, that was nuts that was insanely crowded like i was impressed wholeheartedly impressed i was like there are a lot of people here i don't think i've ever seen this many people like maybe they're just all crowding the stage right now nope they were packed all the way back yeah. past the bar um it and it was it was such a good show. It yeah. was such a good show. So you guys show. are coming this month, right? Yes. 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 On the calendar. Yes. <laughs> and this time, 
you're gonna go yes. in for free and you don't have to pay because okay okay <laughs> all right that's awkward but okay talk to um. our door person jack who just happens to be here right now i think um. i can remember your faces <laughs> what My write face. your names down so i just make sure I have. <laughs> um but no we'll be there and um i even it was funny because um last month I knew it was Jack's birthday, and I knew that he was going to get dragged on stage for the, <laughs> the, lap dance, uh, the lap dance contest, and I was just kind of waiting to watch God. what happened, it was- mostly because I know Jack enough to know that uh, if he's performing, he's fine with being on stage. Oh, your face is getting all red now. But if, Look at if you. he is going to be the center of attention and he's not the performer... He is just completely and utterly uncomfortable. So I was, I was really there to kind of watch the train wreck that was Jack. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> and I wanted to make sure that it was well documented. Oh, thank um, you. I appreciate that. And and all I have to say is, <laughs> wow. <laughs> just I couldn't even say that at the time. Like, <laughs> well, and, and I remember when um, the, the best was the uh, month prior, December's. Mm-hmm. Was I remember um, sitting with the blonde in the front row, and the like the contest went on, and it was yeah. So people who are listening, we yeah. have a the the we we intersplice the variety show that is yes. Seduction Froche with um, with games, and my favorite games to play are um, Strap On Freeze Tag, which where is amazing. People strap on dildos and chase other people around in the audience and try and tag them with their dildos. Thank you. Um, <laughs> last month, actually, last month, someone ate it. Someone oh, ate it bad. hard. Yeah, they do that bad. every time. Well, they <laughs> ate it bad running from Ducky. And oh, literally, Ducky. I, like, Ducky sold me on the rodeo harness, too. Like, running around, like, they the were fact that it, all like, my harnesses. All oh, my harnesses, harness all my dicks. They all make like, an appearance during that game. I was just like, all right, I'm buying a rodeo harness. Like, I'd, I'd fuck every other harness. Was like, it, like, the is... blue and red one? The cute blue and red one with, like, the rodeo? Is it, like, rodeo right here? I think it was just black. It just looked oh. like a pair of black boy shorts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was like, I liked the rodeo harness, and I was like, all right, I like the design. I like that it's got this like kind of like you could kind of wear it every day, anyways. I'm not wearing mine. No, you day. can wear them as <laughs> like <laughs> Jack is a jock one. It's yeah. good, like a jock strap. Oh no. Yeah. Oh god, the the image of Jack. It's great. It's uh, a great one. <laughs> I, I've got, there are, there's a flood of images that are interspliced. I'll Jack, send you pictures like, later. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Um. When he's sleeping, I'll just slide it on him. I have no idea. Because they're so comfortable. Yeah. Um. Well, no, it's just, I'm like, and I'm seeing Jack running around at, like, Folsom in this and, like, assless chaps and a leather harness. And, <laughs> and it's like, okay, that yep, nope, that's, that I can see that happening. Yeah, so we do strap on freestyle, and then we also always do um, a lap dance competition, which I fondly refer to as lap dance for your life. Um, and, and it's so, it's just, it's so, it's so good. It's always amazing. It gets it's hotter like, every time we do it. Like, like every single time well, we do it, it gets hotter. And last month there was a girl on who the month prior had been a stripper, and last month it was her birthday, so she was a strip e. <laughs> And I was worried Cinnamon had broken her neck. <laughs> like Cinnamon does that, yeah. C- Cinnamon is wow. Cinnamon's ass can like 
sink ships. I mean, <laughs> like, it, it is a break very mountains. powerful <laughs> sexual yes. entity. And it was it was just on its own. amazingly spectacular, and it was like, I can't stop watching, and wait, what is Jesse? Oh, God. Oh, God. And, and it was just like, that was like the most amazing. Well, so the problem is that when you like book circus performers at your shows, <laughs> then you book people who already like yeah. to get naked um, and who can like do, work do, their bodies in ways that and, don't make sense. Yes. And then you're like, I need people to be to lap dance on these like three folks in chairs, and then you get people doing like freaking handstands, like one armed handstands, yeah. and like you know balancing off people's necks, like yeah. grinding in their faces, and you're yes. just like, how can I top that? Yes, because I can't do a one armed handstand. I can't do like a crazy backbend one leg around the neck thing. Yeah, I'm not ill nocturnal. Not- <laughs> <laughs> I just watched. I just watched Nefarious and just a was- fire. Like just trying to one up each other oh, yeah. as so they were going, I'm and like, it was like, "Wait, oh God. <laughs> wait, what's happening?" Okay, yeah. So I didn't know I was like, <coughs> I didn't know how I was gonna possibly one up that situation. So oh, but... I grabbed the reluctant polyamorous man's other partner. <laughs> I know, Jack. You were so like, "I'm not poly. I'm not poly," and you've got these two amazing people hanging off of you, like. You are like shut your mouth. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do a whole podcast about how Jack's not monogamous. Yes. <laughs> oh, <I love. laughs> is this is it about to turn into the throw the Jack under the bus podcast? That's every podcast. <laughs> okay, but usually it's me who gets thrown under the bus or tortured. Yeah, right. so There's tortured that too. There's that too. I will, I will. See, well, I'm not you. here. That's why. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Bring the attention off of you and onto Jack. <laughs> so, and it's not like Jack doesn't love it. He loves it. He, he completely and utterly loves but it. But he is absolutely reluctantly. Yeah. Not monogamous. Hey, if we're talking about self pro, you know, like how I identify. <laughs> I am a monogamous it's, person. Uh-huh. I just happen to be <laughs> in a non-monogamous I situation and right fell now. Into this non-monogamous situation. <laughs> Kinda. Uh, oh, no, I no, 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 no. Fell and there are all these dicks in my face. Now. <laughs> what happened? Not, not so many of those. <laughs> I mean. Okay, no, there's a few. <laughs> there's, Oh, you really want to drink right now? I do. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, it, it, I have other booze, Jack. If you don't, if if you need other, Jack's booze. going for the hard liquor now. He's like, <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So, anyways, but yeah, so, wildly I mean, off track. I know. No, it's tangents, tangents, tangents. tangents. That's a great thing um, about editing. Yes. <laughs> we don't do that on this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, nope. Not so much. Um, there have been a couple of times, but the editing is mostly just to take out long, empty pauses. Oh. Um, but no, so I, I, I'm really, uh, I don't want to say enamored, because that's not the right term, but I'm just like in awe of everything that you've done for yourself Aww. in the last few years because it uh, I don't want to say it's a Cinderella story but it kind of sort of <laughs> is I really like, want to watch that version of Cinderella like I would <laughs> love to do that <laughs> well like but it is I mean like if any porn people are, are you are interested out, totally. in doing a Cinderella parody <laughs> oh it, it can be done where, they, where is the San Francisco Bay Area it can happen well can then I ask a question okay what next what? <laughs> there you go. Next. What, 
what are your thoughts on what next? What am I doing? Um, yeah. I don't fucking know. What am I doing? <laughs> uh, I, well, so, I love being a sex worker. Obviously, I've been doing it for eight years, so something must be going right for me. Um, it's... Uh, when it's good, it's kind of like that old nursery rhyme, and I don't remember the nursery rhyme, but you'll know which one it is when I say this. Um, it's like, when it's good, it's good, but when it's bad, it's like, it's really bad, you yeah. know? But when it's good, it's really good, but when it's bad, it's really bad. That's that's how sex work is. And I mean, you can look at it, if anybody's ever been in a sales position, yeah. um, I mean, you are... Some people in the porn industry have their own agents. Yeah. Um, we're talking mainstream porn performers. That is what that is the only thing they're doing, you know. And they have uh, a really successful agency working on their behalf. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about everybody else. Um, it's like being a salesperson. You're on twenty four seven. Yep. You know, whenever I go out anywhere, um, I'm like very conscious, especially in this area. Like it's such a small community. I'm very conscious of the fact that like. On any given night, like last night we went dancing to ships, and I gave my business card out to three people, two people who want me to like walk in some queer fashion show in Oakland, and another person who wants to work with me as a director, and it's like, if I had like gone out in like my, you know, like my sweats, and like my hair wasn't done, and my makeup wasn't done, like, that probably wouldn't have happened, number one, and if it had, I would have felt like awful about myself, so like, it's like a constant state of being on. And also people just recognize you in general besides that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, and yeah, and when things are going really well, when like you're, you know, again, the sales analogy, you're selling a lot, like you have a lot of clients, you have a lot of customers. Um, when I have a lot of shoots lined up, when I have a lot of private clients lined up, it's the best job in the world. It's like you wake up every morning, you're like this, it's like Groundhog Day every day. It's like, this is, you know, you wake up and it's a whole new day and it's like the best day. And I, I like can't imagine doing anything else yeah. right um but then there are these long stall periods um that's just how it is it's yeah. like you have these long hiatuses where you know maybe you personally burn out of doing the work um or you just have a lull in in work in film work or in like personal clients and unless you have like a plan b or a backup plan or like another job running parallel to that you're kind of like you know shit up the creek without a paddle yeah um so, uh, so I feel very fortunate in that I've been able to, um, to always have another career lined up running parallel to all of the sex work that I do, even though the sex work and the performance takes up about 70% of my time. Yeah. Um, I also work in, uh, in the security industry. Um, I'm an EA for a cybersecurity company and, okay. um, you know, it's not what I want to do with the rest of my life, but it's really interesting, and it provides a luxury of a steady paycheck. Yeah. Um, so, actually, my my goal, I mean, I have small personal goals, like in the porn industry, for example, there are specific directors that I really want to work with, and yeah. so, like, a goal of mine this year is to work with, for example, a director named Jennifer Lyon-Bell, who is out of the Netherlands, and okay. um, so that's, like, my porn goal, right? And then it's, like, my... Pro-dom goal is to, like, um, increase my inc- my income and kind of, like, rebrand myself through, like, my advertising, which sounds super boring, and it is, but um, that's what I'm working on. Uh, but then kind of my, my, my personal goal um, is actually to, like, get a little more grounded and, like, get a little bit more of a... Uh, basically, um, encourage stability. Yeah. Because uh, living as a sex worker, especially somebody who does it full-time, which I, I don't... Um, it's a very unstable, it's a very exciting and sexy, um, 
and scary and unstable way of living. And um, this year I'm like really trying to focus on um, actually picking up more hours with my security job um, while keeping my sex work brand, um, you know, flourishing at the same time. Um, And also just like spending more time at home with my partners and my dog. That's like my personal goal for this year. Um, because I've really just been going hard for like eight years, like with like, you know, especially when I was working in strip clubs and like you're, you're professionally working in nightclubs like four or five nights a week. And then like, you're going to go out once or twice socially, like, you know, in your personal life. So it's just like, I'm like out every night and it's like, I, it sounds really glamorous, but this this is why people in this industry oftentimes burn out is because they don't yeah. juxtapose it with self care. They don't juxtapose it with you know another another job that doesn't yeah. require that of them. Um, so, yeah, it's to keep um, keep everything running smoothly. Um, get the numbers at seduction even higher. Um, work with a few director idols of mine in the porn industry and. Uh, and spend more time at home with the kids. <laughs> I don't have kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's like a kid. <laughs> Jack, Jack's kind of like a kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, all my partners are like little boys. <laughs> Everyone in my life is actually just like there a little go. boy. There you go. Pretty yeah. much. It's not creepy right. at all. No, not at all. No. I don't. I I think that's kind of it. That's all. I mean, that covers everything. That's everything I wanted to know. Everything I had questions on. So. Yeah. You know, I really appreciate having you come on. Um, I can't wait to see this month's selection next week. Yeah. Um, Can I, like, promo blast it a bit? Oh, hell yeah. Awesome. So, so Seduction Feroche, um, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. We also have a website, seductionferoche.com, and it's spelled S-E-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-F-E-R-O-C-E. and you can find me, Andre Shakti, on Facebook, Twitter, or my website, and it's A-N-D-R-E, uh, last name S-H-A-K-T-I. Um, and yeah, if anybody, I always encourage people if they have like their own questions about, you know, my friends getting into sex work, what do I do? My partner wants to get into sex work, what do I do? I saw this thing in porn and I don't understand it. My body's doing this strange thing and feeling this strange way. I mean, I feel these questions all the time, yeah. but I really love being a resource for it. So feel free to look my stuff up. It's all not safe for work. So don't do it while you're sitting at your desk. And, uh, and yeah, hit me up. Right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. Um, have a week, everybody. I'm standing up from someone else. <laughs>